0: You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Hey, great to see you guys today. Uh, love hearing from Griff the Great, and we're gonna have a good old time today. Learn about some more spiritual warfare, and today I want to talk to you about what's called the Mammon spirit, or the spirit of Mammon. And some of you are like, "What is Mammon?" Oh, wait, let me show you a definition real quick. It's wealth as an evil influence or false object of worship. And devotion. Let me repeat that real quick. Mammon is a wealth as an evil influence or false object of worship and devotion. So when I say mammon, you say money. Ready? Here we go. Mammon, money. And the false way of viewing our money can put us in bondage to the Mammon spirit. We see it all throughout our popular culture. In fact, if you look in comic books, there's a spawn comic book universe, and there's a villain in those comic books named Mammon. This character is depicted as a handsome gentleman who is actually a demon that will trick people into selling them his his soul or selling their soul to him. And then in the entertainment realm, we see that in entertainment mogul Jay Z, who's now worth over 2.5 billion with a B dollars. And in this picture, you can see Jay Z wearing his do as thou wilt hoodie. And some of you may not know, but that slogan, Do As Thou Wilt, is actually a direct quote from Aleister Crowley, who is one of the most influential Luciferian Satanists that's ever lived on the planet. So that's what jay Z's is all about. And then you see it in Time Magazine in the food industry, that the greed that drives the food industry You can see during these times of inflation how much profits have gone up for these companies that you see on screen because they're price gouging during inflation. And we all know that the greed in the food industry is causing them, in order to increase profits, to pump our foods filled with chemicals and poisons that are literally making us sick and killing us, right? That is the mammon spirit that's doing that. I don't even have to show you a study on that one because you've all read books, blogs, and watched documentaries about greed in the food industry that is killing us. We all know it to be true. That's why a lot of us are thinking more these days about food independence. That's why some of you actually got City Tribe Gardens, like box gardens through the Million Gardens Project, and we're gonna keep doing that kind of stuff. Right now, but here's what we're coming to terms with is we're around here, we're opening our eyes to the reality of the spiritual war that's all around us in all different facets of our society, whether it's entertainment or even in the food industry. And one of the ways we're combating it is through prayer, and we're praying a very specific spiritual warfare prayer every day. A lot of us during this series. You can hit the QR code on screen. You can see a digital vision uh, version of that prayer that you can print out, or you can pray it out loud. If you're an audio person, you know, kind of an auditory learner, then you can get the audio version of that when you hit that QR code. So let's stand together now for the reading of God's word, where we're gonna see Jesus talk to us about this mammon spirit. This comes in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. The lamp of the body is the what? Eye. If, therefore, your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If, therefore, the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and what? mammon. So um, mammon affects your spiritual vision, your eyes. Have you ever had something in your eye you'd have to rub it out? Like this morning when you woke up, maybe you had sleep in your eyes and you, you get that little schmecte in the corner of your eye, you know, you just kind of wipe that stuff out so that you can see. And this is the thing about the mammon spirit is that it, it affects our spiritual vision. It's like nobody in this room or on this internet stream right now thinks it's them. No one thinks They're greedy. In fact, in all my years of pastoring, I've never had one person come to me and say, Pastor Doug, I'm struggling with greed. Can you help me? You know why? Why why do you think that is? Because the the mammon spirit makes us think it's it's all those other people. It's not us. See? So what we want to learn today and what I want to submit to you today is this declaration, clear your eyes of mammon. Clear your eyes of mammon. Will you turn to your neighbor before you sit down and tell him, clear your eyes of mammon. Okay, will you guys go ahead and take a seat? And as you think about mammon, and the eyes are significant, aren't they? Doesn't the Bible teach us that the eyes are the window to the soul? And when we're doing any type of freedom ministry or spiritual warfare, the eyes are significant. One time, I was helping a young woman in our church who had some demonic problems. I was doing what some people would call freedom ministry or uh, exorcism, kind of thing, if you will. And I know that's going to sound weird to some of you that are new to church. But I was sitting down with a couple of friends who were helping me minister to this young woman in our church, and. To give you some context, my wife was out of town during this, and I always think about my wife's safety when she's out of town, just like many of you do your spouses when they travel for different reasons. And we were doing this ministry, and the young woman that we were ministering to wouldn't look up at me. And I said, hey, just just look up in my eyes. How many of you know that demons do not like to look into the eyes of spirit-filled believers, okay? And so I kept asking, just just look up. And finally, I convinced her, look up. And when she looked up and she opened her eyes, the demon manifest in and through her. And in a deep voice, it said, I'm going to kill your wife and then I'm going to kill you. Now, demons lie. And I had a moment of clarity in the moment and I said, no, I'm going to cast you out and you're going to go to hell. You can just go to hell. Um, I like telling them that. And... The demon was cast out of the young woman. She grew spiritually. She married an awesome, godly Christian dude. They live a happy life now in New Mexico. And by the way, my wife and I are still alive. Imagine that. Thank the Lord for that. Anybody? Still alive. But what I'll never forget about that encounter is what I saw in those eyes. It wasn't the young woman's eyes. Her eyes were good. But it was the demon's eyes were so cold and so hateful and so mean-spirited, you know? And with the mammon spirit, the eyes are particularly significant because the mammon spirit is known to cloud and confuse our eyes so that we don't see clearly. Now, if you look at the word for mammon, in the Greek language later, it became the name of a Syrian God of riches and wealth. Because remember, Jesus says that mammon, is a master. A master is not just a tangible thing like coins or paper money or digital currency, but it can be a personality. And then in the 1500s, Peter Bensfelds popularized the concept of the seven princes of hell. And if you look on his list, you would see number one is mammon, and then Lucifer, Asmodeus, and other demons mentioned there on the list. And this is why Paul told young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of what? Evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. And so we don't want to pierce ourselves with many sorrows, do we? And so... What do you say we look at a few ways that we can clear our eyes of mammon? And all these things have to do with generosity. Generosity is ultimately what does it. And so clear your eyes through free will tithing. Free will tithing. Now, look, if you're new to church, the word tithe just simply means 10%. And just so you know, the intent of this teaching it's not to pressure you to give 10% of your income to a church that you don't believe in. If you don't believe in all this, if you're a guest with us, this service is our gift to you. So just relax a little bit. I know you hear the pastor mention money in a church service, and some of you are like, honey, Hold my wallet. Hold your purse. Cling tightly, man. The guy's talking about money. Just relax. It's going to be okay. Uh, Don't worry about all of that. Nobody's trying to get you to do anything that you don't want to do. But I use that language very specifically, free will tithing, because under the old covenant, people tithe because they had to. We tithe because we get to out of the overflow of our hearts. We're so grateful to God for what he's done for us. And We've just seen that it helps people. We like people to, to tithe because it helps people encounter the Lord in their finances. He says, Test me in this and so if you don't buy into this church go to another church and tithe there and see what God does in your finances we're not so much trying to raise money for the church as we are trying to get people to grow spiritually in encounters with the lord and we say free will tithing and there are two demonic lies related to tithing the first lie is the lie of legalism and a lot of people teach tithing in a very legalistic way And if you were really gonna get legalistic about the tithe of the Old Testament under the Old Covenant, it wasn't 10%. If you add them all up, it would be somewhere in the neighborhood of 23% if you actually looked at it that way. And the reason we're not into legalistic kind of tithing is because we're under the New Covenant. And you know, a lot of pastors have manipulated people and controlled people's money. And the purpose of the tithe is not to make pastors rich. The purpose of the tithes is something altogether different. I'm gonna show you that here in just a minute. So one of the lies related to tithing is legalism. You follow me? But then the second lie related to tithing is neglect. That's when pastors or religious leaders don't talk about it at all, never challenge people towards generosity. And I used to be one of those pastors. I didn't wanna talk about tithing. And you know why I didn't wanna talk about it? Because I was afraid. It was a fear of people. I didn't want people to think he's that guy. And you know what that was causing in the people in our church? It was keeping people, blocking people from growing spiritually in their own spiritual formation and discipleship. You have to be encouraged and challenged towards tithing. Look, in my personal spiritual life, if I'm not giving, I'm not growing. And do you suppose that's true of you as well? See, God so loved the world that he did what? Gave. He gave his only son. See, if I'm not giving, I'm not growing. And because I was a coward and wasn't willing to preach the word and speak what the Bible teaches, I was keeping the people that I love from having encounters with the Lord that would cause them to grow closer to him, the greatest treasure. So I found my courage to speak of these things. Now, um... Under the Old Old Testament law, um, remember that people tithe because they had to. Um, We tithe because we get to. Um, We tithe because it's a wise choice for our benefit. The, The Sabbath is also under the Old Testament law, isn't it? But it's for our benefit, see? What happens if you work seven days a week and you continually do that? You're gonna burn out, aren't you? God gave uh, the Sabbath for our benefit so that we don't burn out, so we get rest. And in the same way, God gave the tithe for our financial and spiritual benefit, see? Um, Now, if you go back to the Old Testament, you would see that uh, there are very few times um, that Jesus, when he's pointing people back to the Old Testament— that he would encourage the Pharisees. You know, the religious Pharisees in the New Testament, the Bible, they were kind of the uber religious guys and they were very much into the legalistic side of tithing, right? But there was one time where Jesus uh, really encouraged the Pharisees and you know what it was regarding? Tithing. He said, yeah, you should tithe, but don't neglect the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. See, so he's like, you guys are so careful to tithe on the littlest amount of, uh, that, you, that you receive but you forgot the reason for the tithe. The reason for the tithe is to serve people, to help other people with justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You see, it's because of their greed that they were careful about their tithing and all that, and they wanted to make all this money, but... They didn't care about the people receiving justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And that's what the free will tithe does. It invests in people's and justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You know, if you go back to Malachi, which is the Old Testament book that always talks about tithing, you know, um, the, the, the people there were, were greedy And they were not tithing. And the Bible says that because of their greed, a devourer, a little bug, was eating away at their crops. Now, if you get to the New Testament, you would see that people who are greedy, the devourer devours their souls due to their greed. Um, You look back at Malachi, and they didn't tithe. but They were greedy. And their greed, because of their greed, they were called thieves who steal from God. If you fast forward to the New Testament, you would see a greedy guy by the name of Judas, and Judas literally stole money from Jesus. Did you know that? In fact, this guy, Judas, um, he was in this little tribe, small group, if you will, traveled around with him, and he was stealing from him, and I want to show you um, how this one lady poured out this really great offering, a really generous offering way above her tithe to worship Jesus, and uh, look at what Judas said about it in John chapter 12 verse 5. It says, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, because he was a what? A thief. And having charged, uh, having of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was in it. A lot of people think that Jesus lived in poverty. No, there was a money bag and there was a budget that people who donated to the ministry he used that money bag to provide for all the disciples as they would travel around and himself, see? And Judas was, you know, taking some from the money bag and look at what happened because of Judas's greed. Go with me, fast forward to Luke chapter 22, verse three. It says, then there's the spiritual warfare end of it. Satan entered into Judas. I think it could have been a mammon spirit that entered into Judas because of his greed. Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was of the number of the 12. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray Jesus to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him what? Money. You see what's going on there? So Judas was virtue signaling as if he cared about the poor. And he's like, oh, that offering should have been given, given to the poor. But really he didn't care about the poor. He, he was just, a thief. And I, look, I've watched for years and years people, a lot of whom, they, they have this outer appearance. They say, oh yeah, you know, I care about the poor. And they'll often denigrate biblical tithing and they do it in, under the auspice of this caring about social justice and all of that. But it's really just a smokescreen for an, an underlying greed in their hearts. And I contrast that with many of you. And the reason why I love so many of you It's because you guys, many of you are not virtue signaling, but you're just quietly tithing and giving and worshiping and serving. And I believe God honors that. And it's one of the reasons why I love City Tribe and you guys people, because we're just regular people. We pool our resources together to make an impact and make a difference in the lives of other people around our inner city. So thank the Lord for you guys. But look, look, yeah. But check out number two, clear your eyes, from the poverty mindset, the poverty mindset. This is very much connected to the mammon spirit. Go with me to Proverbs chapter three, verse nine. Honor the Lord from your what? Wealth. And with the best part of everything you produce, then he'll fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Okay, it's not gonna be that Nitrine Express wine, it's not gonna be a Merlot, but it's gonna be like the good wine, right? And now fast forward to Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And I think this is a holistic truth. It's not just about getting more money, but it's about getting more uh, peace and getting more like ability to enjoy the things that you do have, you know. Um, and the reason that I bring this up is because I believe that the poverty mindset is pervasive in our inner city. And I think many have lived for generations in this poverty mindset. As I've said before and I'll say again, poverty is not the amount of money you have, but it's a mindset that you have. see? And the poverty mindset operates in scarcity, in worry, in anxiety, and fear about money. The poverty mindset works in jealousy towards those that have more than us, Um, and the poverty this this mindset and mammon will cause you to think differently about people in a different income level than you're in. And what the gospel does that's so great is that if you're middle class or above, and you see street people that have less than what you have, the gospel allows you to love and respect and honor and befriend people that are of a lower economic level than you are, you know, out in the outer ring in the suburbs, they just zone the poor out. But down here, we cro- we have to cross paths, right? And we're able to cross paths and say, "No, you're my equal. You're my friend. We worship together." That's why we always say here at City Tribe, we don't minister to the poor; we minister with the poor here. But here's another thing that author and the late pastor Tim Keller showed me: is that if you're jealous of the upper class and those that make more than you make, that reveals, that jealousy reveals the hold that mammon has on your heart. The jealousy of those who make more. And the reason that I know about this, because I believe that was in my heart for many years. When you hear the word millionaire, what comes to your mind? And for me, what comes to mind is I always thought to myself, oh, those one percenters, you know, I'm not a millionaire. And so when I would hear about millionaires, I think, oh, those one percenters, they just inherited everything they have. And, you know, according to the data, I was wrong. Have you ever seen that book by Chris Hogan? It's called Everyday Millionaires. And I've shown you this before, and I'll show it to you again, probably, because I think it's so important to the ethos of our church, but... His research team conducted the largest, most comprehensive study of millionaires that's ever been done. They interviewed over 10,000 millionaires and the sample size was significant in that. And they defined millionaires as someone whose net worth is over a million dollars. And the net worth is simply everything you own minus everything you owe. And here's a quote uh, from the book. He says, 74% of millennials and 52% of baby boomers believe millionaires inherited all their wealth. That's what I thought, and I was wrong, according to the data. Let me show you the next quote from the book. He says, the overwhelming majority, 79% of millionaires in the US did not receive any inheritance at all from their parents or other family members. While one in five millionaires, 21% received some inheritance, only 3% received an inheritance of one million or more. So according to the data, not my feelings, but the data and the facts, not feelings, people who are millionaires by and large didn't inherit a million dollars, didn't inherit enough to make them millionaires, but uh, they have certain practices that help them get there. They live on less than they make. They plan ahead and they save. They use coupons and they stay married. Look at this next quote from the book, 75% of married millionaires have been married for 32 years on average. And I don't bring that up to put any sense of guilt and shame on those of you that have been through the pain of a divorce, but I can guarantee the people in this church who have gone through the pain of divorce will be the first ones to line up here and tell you that divorce is not good for your financial portfolio, right? Um, So the study goes on and it talks about the top professions of millionaires. And And if I would have been asked, what are the top professions of a millionaire? I would have thought doctors, lawyers, you know, this kind of thing. You know, the top three professions that became millionaires, number one, engineer, number two, accountants, number three, teachers. You know why that's so? Look at the next quote. It says, only 31% average $100,000 a year over the course of their career, and one-third never made six figures in any single working year of their career. And this is why Chris Hogan says, I've talked to a lot of millionaires and most of them have average jobs with average pay like teachers or firefighters. It just goes to show that how you spend and invest the money you make matters more than how much you actually bring home. Isn't that interesting? And here's why I'm telling you all this about millionaires is I believe that our jealousy and division from people who know how to manage their money is a cancer in our hearts that's harming us. We are being intentionally divided from each other for political gain oftentimes, and I believe it's harming us. Look, I've been in a lot of different parts of the world over the past 35-ish years ministering to the poor, been down here since 2008, down in the inner city, serving alongside the poor. And I don't know anyone who's in utter poverty that wants to be there. And I want you, as your pastor that loves you, I want you to be financially blessed because I know that there's generosity in your heart and you wanna be able to be generous but you can't be because you've been infected, some of you, by the poverty mindset. And some of you have been led to believe that the only way that you can really provide for your family in a way that you want to is if you become a professional athlete or if you win the lottery, which by the way, the lottery is just a tax on the poor. Take the same money, put it in an interest bearing account and don't rack up credit card bills and goofy stuff like that. And by the way, some people think, oh, Pastor Doug, you talk about tithing and you tell all these tithing stories where people get blessed from tithing and you think, I didn't get blessed. Well, you know what some people do? They rack up a bunch of credit card bills and expect the tithe fairy to come and rest them after they just spent a bunch of money that they didn't have on Amazon, quit doing those dumb things. That's what makes us in bondage financially. And look, how about rather than throw stones at people that know how to make and manage their money, how about we, I don't know, maybe learn from them so we can earn something and do good with it, right? You can work, earn, save. And invest money. Look at what Margaret Thatcher said. No one would remember the good Samaritan if he had only had good intentions. He had money as well. And look, a lot of you want to be generous, but you don't have anything. What can you give if you have nothing? Nothing. But it's in your heart to do. And so let's get out of this poverty mindset. See, And quit being jealous and throwing stones at other people that can show us how to make it. And then we can manage it and steward it according to God's principles. But look at number three. Clear your eyes through work. To clear our eyes of mammon means working for our money and being generous with what we have. God provides everything you need. And when you work, you have what you need. It brings emotional peace. Check this out. When you work... You don't have to worry. But some people worry that if they would spend the same energy that they spend on worrying, on working, then they wouldn't have to worry, right? You gotta work, you know, so you don't have to to worry. You follow me? That's why the popular Dave Ramsey book came out, Financial Peace. It's not about getting rich, it's about having financial peace in your life because you worked for it. Um, Look, Paul had this church, the Thessalonians, and they just wanted to sit around all day and wait on Jesus to come back. And people didn't want to work. You know what he told them? Second Thessalonians chapter three verse ten: "Those unwilling to work will not get to what? Eat. Everybody wants to eat. You have to work in order to eat. Right on. That's why I love Strong Foundation Ministry for homeless families. That we have our pastor Jim says, if you're not working, your job is looking for work. See, because there's value in." Work. There's this study I saw on CBS News' website, and the article explained how such a large number of American men in prime working age from 25 to 52 have bailed out on the workforce. Right now, there's like over 7 million uh, men in America that have quit working and are not going back, not looking for a job. You know what I call that? The spirit of slacker is what that is. Because if you look at the data, if you look at the data, here's where they're spending their time. This is according to the um, Bureau of Labor Statistics. They're spending all their time on video games and watching TV, okay? Spirit of slacker is what that is. So I wanna ask you a question. Let's do a brief poll here of city drivers, both men and women. How many of you are working full-time or looking for work, raise your hand. If you're working full-time right now or looking for work, okay, right on. Would you guys give a hand to the people around you that are working? And those of you that are younger that are not yet there, um, that's what we aspire to, is to work, and then we don't have to worry as much, right on? It's so great. Now look at number four. Clear your eyes through enjoying God's blessing. See, God is a great father, And he loves to bless his kids. You know how you feel when you're able to give your kids Christmas presents and stuff like that, and you see the joy on their little faces? How much more does God get a buzz out of giving you stuff to bless you? Because you're his kids, you know, those of you that know him. And he He loves you, and that's what he wants to do for you. And so when you work, you get to enjoy it, like Paul told young Timothy. Go with me to First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. It says, their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our what? Enjoyment. A lot of people like believe in a God that wants everything to suck in your life. No, God didn't. A sucky God. He's an awesome God. He loves to bless you, right? He likes you to experience enjoyment in this life. It doesn't mean that there aren't going to be hard times. Sure, there are going to be hard times, but God wants you to feel some enjoyment. And look at how Jesus describes it in the kingdom when we're trusting God first. Look at Matthew chapter six, verse twenty-six. It says, "Look at the birds." They don't plant or harvest or stored food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you want. Eh? No, it's not everything you want. It's everything you need, right? And when you work, seek first the kingdom. He provides everything that we need. And Jesus compares it to flowers. He's like, look at those beautiful flowers. I mean, they're not worried like all the Instagram influencers who got to look just right, but they're beautiful, Aren't they? And here in our society, we're, we're pretty concerned with our clothes and the way we look, aren't we? I'm myself included, right? Um, but he says that you can be like the flowers, even more beautiful. And I, I gotta be honest, you know, I really like a good pair of sneakers. I, I don't mind that at all. I like a clean pair of sneakers. In fact, the sneakers I'm wearing today, our staff pitched in, they gave them to me just a couple of days ago, you know, and they just were being nice and generous and they gave me a pair of sneakers. And so I thought... Hey, that's, that's pretty cool. You can all keep your jobs, you know, you, you know? <laughs> But I don't know what it is, but the, is it people give me awesome sneakers. I don't know why. I don't ask for it. People give me sneakers. And this one time, this friend of mine, good friend of mine, he gave me a pair of very expensive sneakers. It, it, they were, they're called Yeezys, okay? Some of you are like, I don't know what that is, but they, some of you know what that is, Yeezys. And I was like, whoa, those are awesome. They were like those zebra Yeezys. I mean, they, they look cool, and when I put them on, I would walk around on them. felt like I was walking on marshmallows. Man, it's like I was getting a foot massage, dude. It was awesome. I loved those Yeezys. But then I got a spirit prompting. And it's like, I sensed that Holy Spirit is saying, Doug, you're supposed to give away your Yeezys to someone. I said, you can't be the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you said it's my Yeezys for my enjoyment, right? How many of you know it doesn't work well when you argue with the Holy Spirit? So finally, I went ahead and I you know, boxed up the shoes and gave them this person. And I felt pretty good about it. You know, I thought it was okay. Well, then... Some months later, I was on a trip to another country and I was walking around in these thin little shoes, you know, these leather shoes that the, the sole was really thin. And I didn't know we were going to do so much walking on this trip. We we're walking around, walking around. and I was literally getting blisters in my feet from walking so much. And this Christ following friend that was on the trip, he went into a shoe store and you know what he bought me? A parachute. He brought me another pair of Uzis. So like God hit me back. I thought I was really doing something by giving away those ones. And then God hit me back. And what I've come to terms with is, is you can enjoy what God has given, but hold every possession loosely. Enjoy what God has given you. Thank him for it, but hold it loosely. See, and this was illustrated for me a couple of years ago, right out here. Generous city triber was walking around. He was wearing a pair of shoes that I know for a fact were more expensive than any shoes I have, including my Yeezys. Like, those of you that know shoes, you would know, yeah, those are freaking expensive. And he's walking, rolling up to church in those awesome shoes, which God gave him to enjoy. And he saw one of our street friends, barefooted, and I was thinking to myself, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. He took off those expensive shoes and he gave them to that street friend. And uh, you know what that does? That kind of generosity smashes the bondage of the mammon spirit, see? That's the way God works. You know, you ever play that game, that board game Monopoly? Raise your hands if you ever play Monopoly, right? Okay, does anybody besides me have that uber-competitive relative that likes to play Monopoly with you and they, like, want to dominate everyone? You know you know that person? They're in your family, too. Well, I'm honestly not all that competitive, but, (laughs) you know, I'll have these family members and they win all the Monopoly money and they get all the buildings and properties and all this kind of stuff in the game, but I have my revenge because at the end of the game... Where does all that money and property go? Back in the box, bro. Back in the box. You wonder in the game, but your stuff's going back in the box. And isn't that like our lives? Because I'm telling you, our wireless earbuds go back in the box. Our iPhones and Androids go back in the box. Man, I don't like it, but even Nike sneakers go back in the box. Those heirloom silverware that you love that got passed down back in the box, your hunting rifles, your fishing poles, your tackle box, it's all going to go back in the box. And look, I live in this neighborhood where there are a lot of older people and there's like, there was garage sale day over there and um, all this stuff, you know, and, and, and I watched these people that they can't sell, they can't get rid of, they can't donate to a thrift store, all their stuff. And I'll watch dumpsters pull up because all your stuff, you think about the stuff that's most precious to you, it's going in a dumpster in a box someday. I was on a phone convo with my parents a couple of years ago. And I'm like, I didn't want to hear this in the phone call. I wanted them to just not talk about it. But my parents were talking about their own funeral arrangements. And so they went and bought their own grave plots and their own caskets so that us kids didn't have to incur that expense when they pass away because they're in their 80s now. And I didn't want to talk about it, but what my parents understand is that even our own bodies are going in a box, right? It all goes back in the box. And as I think about my own heart, because I'm fighting the greed of the mammon spirit, just like everyone in this room, you know? And there are two things that last forever the word of God and people's souls. And there are a couple of things that, when I practice them, it helps me to overcome the spirit of mammon. One is when I give above my tithe. And one time, you know, just recently, I spoke somewhere and then they paid me for speaking there. And I thought, you know, this was income I wasn't counting on, so I'll just, Holy Spirit was prompting me. There some people that I think would benefit from it, so I gave it to them. And I thought I was doing a really good thing. You know, I thought I was being real generous. You know what happened? I spoke somewhere else. They paid me double what I'd given away. The Lord hit me back. What's, why well, I tell you that. The, the treasure in that experience is not getting money back. The treasure in that experience is encountering the Lord. You see, Encountering him is the true treasure. Money is just a tool to be able to encounter him more. So when I give generously, it breaks the bondage of the mammon spirit in me because I know people are important. And then when I look at your baptisms and watch, sometimes I'm down here doing baptisms and when the other pastors are doing the baptisms, I sometimes I'll just sit back there, back there and I just watch. And sometimes I just cry because you're the treasures. When I look at you, no, really, you and your family members are the true treasures of the kingdom of God. I really mean that. Have you seen Lord of the Rings? That character Gollum? When he... He looks at that ring. What does he call it? My precious. He even died, you know, for that thing. I want you to think just for a minute. What is that possession that you have that is your precious? And it should rightfully be, maybe. It's something important to you. You know, like, the reason I love these sneakers is because the people that gave them to me, you know, and that, it reflects the, the, the love relationship we have. You know, a lot of the things that you consider to be your precious, your possessions, you worked hard for them, and it's OK that you enjoy them, you know? But I can guarantee you, any of our treasures won't work that hard for us. But there is a treasure that will give for us. He is Jesus, He left the. Ultimate privilege and place of wealth in heaven, and he gave it up temporarily to come here and lose everything, including his own life, when he died on the cross to pay for our sins. And you know why he did all that? Because you are his precious. He loves you. He really does. I'm like And I I really believe and many in this room really believe that some of you were brought here by the goodness of God because he wants you to know him. He doesn't want your money. He's not trying to take something from you. He's trying to give you something more valuable, which is him, a relationship with him. And if you want that now, The reason you want that is because his spirit is doing a work in your heart to draw you to love relationship with the greatest treasure in the universe, Jesus. So let's bow for prayer. And as we bow, if you'd like to start love relationship with God you've never had, I want you to just talk to him in your own heart and say something like this. God, look, I know I've sinned, but right now I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for my sin and he rose again from the dead to give me a new life and I choose to submit my whole life to you, Jesus. Welcome into my life. As we continue in prayer, this next prayer is for all of us, whether you just believed two seconds ago or 20 years ago. And I want you to say this prayer out loud. Because it's a prayer to break the bondage of mammon in our hearts. Just say this out loud. Repeat it after me. Holy Spirit, search my heart. Reveal any ways. I've given ground. To the mammon spirit. God, I confess my greed. I choose to repent to change I renounce greed I rebuke the spirit of mammon in the powerful name of Jesus Holy Spirit fill me with peace and generosity I pray these things in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit amen. Anybody want to thank the Lord for the goodness that he's extended to us today? Thank you, Lord. Yes, he's good. He's so good. So as we wrap up today, just a couple of things I'm going to remind you about. Uh, Our prayer leader is going to be down here to pray with you. And there's super awesome people that are praying all kinds of awful evil off of people and blessings onto people. Make sure and take advantage of that. Next Sunday You may not want to miss, or after I tell you what we're going to talk about, you may want to intentionally miss. Uh, But we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare and overcoming counterfeit spiritualities. And what we mean by that is overcoming witchcraft, the occult, Satanism, and all stuff like that. Uh, So if you, you know... Uh, You may want to check your kids into Kid City next week. Uh, If you get scared easy, you might want to bring your blankie or something like that. But we'll talk about uh, spiritual warfare in that way next week. And then also, when we think about our stewardship, um, there are four ways that we take up our offerings here because we don't want to be too pushy about the offerings here. And we challenge people to tithe and above and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to give today, whether it's tithe or above and beyond that. And if you don't buy into all this, go to another church and tithe and try it and see what God does in your life. But there are four ways to do that, whether it's by mail, text, or giving stations, or a website. We're just so grateful for the ways that you guys are bringing those free will tithes here and making an impact in this city and around the world. So let's stand up together, join hands, or put your arms around someone next to you. If you don't, you know... If someone next to you doesn't have anybody with them, man, bring them right in. Or if you need a boundary and, you know, there's a creepy guy next to you, just say, hey, hold the phone, dude, <laughs> okay? Um, but uh, I want you to think about your finances as we look at the serenity prayer. And let's say it out loud together because I think it's helpful for us. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking as he did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. You guys have a happy Sunday, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye now. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.